the next day on Monday, he came to, to me and said, well, I've talked to my um, locum, Helmut Fischer, also a fantastic surgeon, um, that you um, should also start, should start to learn rhinoplasty. And it was, I was only one and a half to two years in the department. It was absolutely new. No one else before at this age was allowed to do rhinoplasty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rhinoplasty Podcast with me, Dr. Cameron McIntosh. So we are into the month of May and our special topic for the month is Rhinoplasty Experts and it's brought to us by Carl Stortz. I think it's actually pretty cool that Carl Stortz are bringing us our first guest for the month as well, all the way from Germany. Somebody who's been very undercover for many years, but what a nice chap, eh? Sebastian Hock, thank you so much for being on the show today. Okay, thanks for the invitation. So Great. Sebastian, I mean, it was so good to see you a few days ago in Bergamo. Yeah. Um, there's lots I want to chat to you about, but let's kick it off with this question. Tell us your journey from starting, possibly even wanting to be, become a doctor and eventually filling in some huge boots in um, Prof. Wolfgang Gubik's boots, where you're at now. I I'm fascinated to know how that happened in your life. Yeah, it really started um, a little bit weird because my my grandpa and my dad used to be also medical doctors and they run their own business they had a, a private practice in, in in stuttgart my my hometown and they were orthopedic surgeons um and um during my university time i did a lot of work in the big trauma hospital as a as a as a student you could help there in the UR, do some jobs on the on board. So I was at the beginning I was pretty much yeah focused on the traumatology aspect um, um of surgery. And um for some reasons my my, my dad um was moving to political um to, to political um, aspects of medicine, he, he became the, the 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 head of the association for the um, surgeons that running own practices all over Germany. So he really um, left his practice earlier than I could take over. So um, and and he didn't want to 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 keep it longer. So it didn't fit in the in in, in his plans. And then I said, well, so now I'm free. <laughs> And then I, um, once I quit the, 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 my work um, for the traumatology um, department in Tübingen, because there was a quite good travel always there and it was not that practical. So I looked for another um, way to do, have a little bit of chop next to my to university. And then I found a private practice where um, Wolfgang Gubisch was doing night Ever was doing um, his private work because once a week he was out of of the hospital doing his his um, cosmetic work. He also did on the other in the rest of the days, but there was a special deal. They had really good conditions, and you know, like working in a private setting is more effective than in a in a, in a general, let's say, state or municipal hospital. So there, I got him to know, and then I, I said, well. Let's 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 try plastic surgery. And then the last year of um, training in, in med school is purely 
on ward, purely um, um, joining the doctors on ward and, and surgeries, so practical hands-on. And it's split in three thirds in Germany, and one is internal medicine, one is surgery, and one you can choose. And I choose plastic surgery as a um, field of, of, of selection, for selection. And eight weeks was spent in the general plastics where they did hand and breast and all this. And the other eight was in the facial uh, plastic department that at this time was run by, by Wolfgang Kubisch. And so, and then I get to know him. And then he, uh, after my, then my training in med school was finished and I did my exams, I applied for, for a position as a resident, as a young resident. In Germany, this, this is not um, you know, um, centralized, so you have to apply on each and every department um, separately. And I, I didn't thought so much of getting the job because um, at this time, Wolfgang wanted to have um, residents that are had more training already, more um, with um, FARA on in the training period, plastic surgery, six years in Germany. So we wanted more to have like colleagues in the fourth, fifth and sixth year. But he, okay, he said once, okay, let's try this guy. And this is how it started. And then first I got a two years contract and he said, okay, you, you do a good job. You know, and at this time it was really old school, you know, you know, like the boss is calling uh, Saturday evening on Monday, I need a presentation with 20 new cases of septoplasty. Let's do it. And then, okay, of course you had to do, or I, at this time, you know, um, most of the, the photos were not, were just put on dias, like, like on, on paper. And then you had to, um, digitalize it with special uh, systems. And all, I think I, thousands of pictures I, digitalized and and it, it worked i mean he i supported his scientific work and and all this lecturing and he said well you do a good job and so i went on and went on and and then the the the, the good thing was um at this time only um board certified plastic surgeon in this department were allowed to do rhinoplasties so only the the ones that are pretty old and but it happened that after two one and a half to two years, there was a big celebration of 60 years plastic surgery in, in Marine Hospital, at the Marine Hospital Stuttgart. It's the oldest plastic surgical department in, in Germany. And uh, it was a big, a big celebration party. And there I was allowed to, um, to give a talk. And I was shivering nervous, you know, like a really, as a really young uh, resident and all that, lots of, Honorary persons have been there, and it, but the, obviously the the he and a lot of the other colleagues were quite um, satisfied or okay with my presentation, with my with my talk, and especially the the widow of the founder of the department was there. So like he, that, who founded the department in nineteen forties somewhat. Um, and she really appreciated my 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 talk, and so this was the beginning. When the next day on Monday he came to to me and said, "Well, I've talked to my um, locum, Helmut Fischer, also a fantastic surgeon, 
um, that you um, should also start should start to learn rhinoplasty. And it was I was only one and a half to two years in the department. It was absolutely new. No one else before at this age was allowed to do rhinoplasty. So this was the, and basically th that was the kickoff. I mean. <laughs> Yes, that's so exciting. Huh? So to be able to have that honor, okay, so now you're starting your residency and you've, you're getting into kind of being groomed already, but there's still many years to go before you become the head of the department, as I understand it. Yeah, and then, of course, there are different steps you have to, to really to take. I mean, first, then again, I had to leave the department for two and a half, three years to do the, all the other plastic stuff, um, breast and hands and burns, intensive care. But then, then I came back. He said, well, I like you back. And then I, I, I came back. Um, and then I did my board certification working in this department. And this is all, always a new step because then generally your contract ends in the hospital. Normally you get a contract in Germany. Normally, like let's say, The first two years, they, they check if they like you. <laughs> um, and then if they say, well, it's fine, then you get a, the next contract is, is one for um, achieving your board certification. So then this was the next step. And then I, as he said, well, I, but I like to keep you, stay in my department. And then I, I got like a yeah, half year later, nine months later, after my board certification, I got the new, I stepped I, I climbed a new step in the pyramid, which is from a resident to a senior surgeon, um, which is called in Germany Oberarzt. So it's normal assistenzarzt, assistant doctor, and then the senior. Um, and then another two years later, the his locum, Helmut Fischer, stepped a little bit back. He, back, he had... He reduced his, um, from 100% work, he reduced to, to, to 70% work because he had some uh, medical issues. And then I became the locum of, of, of Wolfgang. And this, and this I had been for another one and a half years. And then the funny thing started because then it was, I was pretty young. I mean, at this age, I was 37. And, um, and then... Um, it, it was not clear that I will be the, the, the next head of the department. There were, have been some more senior colleagues that they were in the race, let's say like this. But then the, there, there started a really funny thing. I got the offer to create a new facial plastic department to, to build up in another hospital. And I really know it like, like yesterday. Um, then I phoned Wolfgang, um, at this time still Professor Gubisch. Um, I, I phoned, I phoned him and I said, well, I have, have really, I have to talk to him. It's, it's concerning our future. And if he have, if he has time. And then he was coming back with train from a, from a meeting. And then I really picked him up from, from the uh, main train station and we went to a cafe and we sat down for, I think, three hours or something. Had a, coffee and croissants and all this. And we were talking because then I said, well, the idea is I, we build up or I build up a new department and he should be the senior, um, the senior head, the senior professor of the department. So we, we should do something together because he always 
told me when he will leave, he will we will do something together. Because we had even at this time we had a we had a good relationship. And I say, well, now I have the we have the chance. We can build up a new department. So, what would you think? Let's go there. And then he was thinking and thinking, and we have um, perhaps some some sparkling wine. I don't know what it was exactly. And then he came up with the idea and said, but wait, when we are about to create a new department elsewhere, why not doing this in the existing department? You become the head, and I will be still there for some years as a as a, as a senior professor, as the as the senior surgeon. I said, "Yeah, why not? Why changing changing the the, the building? Why changing the setting?" And then we went to the to the CEO of the hospital and said, "Well, there's an idea from us. Um, what do you think?" And then, you know, like normally the hospitals are not don't like so much making or getting the new head out of the department. They, they like to have to get fresh blood um, from, from, from extern. But since we were doing pretty um, specific things, you know, like it's a facial plastic department run by plastic surgeons, and we're really focusing only on the face. You're only doing noses, ears, skin cancer, some aesthetics, and we're doing um, what perhaps not all do know, we're doing a pretty good number and good job in nasal reconstruction as well. I think we are the yeah one of the biggest departments um, in terms of numbers who are doing complete full nasal reconstruction. And, um, and there's not so many people who can cover the whole content because it really comes from the genes of this department, you really have to be basically to be there to, to fill all these tasks. And then the, the CO also was, but the CO also was um, a child of the hospital. He really made his way through all the different um, layers, uh, different um, steps, stairways in the department, in, in the hospital. So he also said, well, it's basically my history as well. I started as a young as a young uh, colleague, and then I became CEO of the department. So let's try this. And this is how it happens. And yeah, so it's now seven years. It's seven years now that I'm, I'm ahead of it with 38. I mean, this was pretty, pretty young. Um, but it, it, it works and it worked because um, we are so focused. I mean, really, I, I really you know, got this with the mother milk. You know, I, I, from the beginning, I was trained with the, with the was trained with the the content of the department. Um, if I w- well, also, the mother milk and the, the cream has risen to the top, eh? So, <laughs> but Sebastian, you know, it's funny. You know, it's you you think it's so young, it's like, but the fa- the weird thing is, like, I'm 46 this year. It's now, we're mid-age now. We are, as much as we looked up, I mean, look at like Wolfgang, what he did. But when he was your age, he was doing what you're doing as well, you know? So the question that I wanted to ask you next is, how have you managed a family life in this massive stress of being the head of a big plastics department in Germany? Because your kids are similar age to mine. Uh, How do you get that balance right? Actually, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if I do get the balance right. (laughs) 
Um, this is a, this is a yeah. You, I mean, this is the, the the wound point, right? I mean, you really hit the knife in the in the wound. And of course, they're running such a department. Um, you know, like, and I really follow Wolfgang's step. I, as, as, as you know, I, I travel quite a lot and, and, and give talks and around the world and, and, and do lecturing and, and so on. Of course, it limits the family time. I mean, there's no, there's no time to, no way to, to deny that. Um, and of course, you have to have a wife that supports that. Um, otherwise, there's no no chance to 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 get the things run. I mean, I really try. I mean, this is sometimes a little bit perhaps over um, overused, but I think it's not completely wrong. The expression "quality time." I mean, if in case when I am at home, um, <clears throat> I really try to do things with the kids. We try to go out. We try to be in nature. We Really, then I really um, try to be with them, and we have a, we try to talk. I mean, it's so important to not to to lose con, um, conversation on to, to miss conversation with the kids. It's always to, so important to have contacts and just to talk. And luckily, I have three three girls, and girls like to talk like to talk a little bit more. I think so. It's so it's uh, it's okay, and, and sometimes it's. I, I feel almost that it is a little bit unfair for my wife because sometimes it's like she has all to fight the daily fights at home and I come um, home at night late or in the evening later and then I just just go to the girls and to one of the girls and I ask her, how was your day? And then she starts telling me her day and then I later come down to my wife and say, well, did you hear this and that happened to her and she says no she didn't tell me so sometimes I, <laughs> I feel a little bit um yeah that it's unfair <laughs> but um yeah oh on the other hand it's no, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's 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 good to have to have still contact and to do conversation that this is the most important point and we try to get to 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 celebrate good good holidays because this is really the same i have um the my in my memories when i think of my father he was also a hard working man and we did we did under the week we didn't have so much together um but we always had great holidays and i remember always these these holidays oh, that's cool man okay so so let tell me a bit more or the listeners really uh, from all over the world about the stuttgart rhinoplasty course the the course the stuttgart rhinoplasty course yeah i mean they Fortunately, the, the rhinoplasty course will start next week. <laughs> um, it's the this is really unbelievable. But it's, it's the 29th, the 29th um, international rhinoplasty course. Um, it's it's so next year we will really we will have a jubilee course. It will be the 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 30th. So this is a fantastic um, course, and we yeah we are, once again we are we are fully booked um, this year. Um, Wolfgang also will be there. He won't do surgery, but he will. Will do moderation. Will give talks and will and lets us participate on his huge experience. Um, I invited some other colleagues who also will do live surgery. We'll have eight surgeries. Um, we will have three secondaries, five primaries, and um, I think at least in two cases we will need rip 
knowledge graphs. So for the for the listeners on the on the podcast who are not familiar with the Stuttgart course, just give us a summary of why somebody should come and attend it. Um, really, the Stuttgart rhinoplasty course is really focusing on live surgery and all the tricks and little tricks and uh, things that you most probably will not see within well. Um, let's say um, well. Um, styled video where all the little things are cut out so it's really about how do you do your infiltration what's what are the incisions exactly like and where do you struggle where do where you can see where's the surgeon having his issues and all these little tips and tricks and this i learned really from wolfgang we don't hide anything and we are completely completely open Every, we, have, we always have our microphone. Everybody is free to ask. We answer everything. We, we don't hide anything. So the, the main thing is really life surgery. We have, after now 29 years experience, I think we have an extremely good, you know, um, camera setting, light setting. So we really know how to get the best camera quality. It's HD quality. We have, it's really we are focusing on the on the quality of transmission, so that, that really the, the the colleagues really feel there as as they would stand assist you or even see more because um, sometimes the resident or the the assistant doesn't see so much because there has to be some position. So we are really we played many years many. We, we tried many different variations on how the light setting, camera setting, and I think now we have a quite good a quite good setting and um and in the evening and on the, the first day we will have uh, uh our lecture our lectures that of course this year as as it should be different um we we also focusing on on dorsal preservation um um techniques and so we will um have on wednesday afternoon we will have well, our first part of lecture which will only deal with dorsum techniques we will have an interesting panel because also Göxel from Istanbul will be there, Milos Kovacic from Hamburg, Frank Riedel from Mannheim. So we have a lot of um, national international colleagues. They have different approaches, different experiences, and we will really like also not will only do um, straightforward um, lectures. We also will do panels. We will discuss because I think following um, experienced colleagues discussing points, and I I wrote today. A, some really provocative questions to my to my panelists to really get on the point because you know sometimes you you see the extremely smooth um, designed lectures and it's not always that easy right as we all know there's not the one and single way and um, and this is what what my message should be is taking care about little details you must know about the details you must know where are problems, difficulties of each and every technique. And, and this we like to discuss. It's not, you know, like, I'm not sure if people that have heard my, my lectures, I mean, I, I think, I, I hope I can transport it or I hope it comes clear. I'm not a, you know, I, I'm, I don't sell one and only things. I mean, I, it's really, I and mean, sometimes this is one little critic of our rhinoplastic colleagues. Sometimes some people are really a little bit, too much into selling the the only truth and as we all know 
as, as we all know, there's not the one truth. And um, so, but I, this, this we will, we will show on our course. And this is why I think the people coming yeah, basically from all over the world, from Australia, from Brazil, from South Africa and um, joining um, because it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a course that is only focusing on one special um, technique and, and, and is promoting that. So we, we are covering most of the, the current techniques. So it will be interesting. And it's, it's, it's open to only plastic surgeons or no, uh, no. ENT surgeons as well? No. Yes, of course, everybody can, can apply. Mostly, uh, most of them, of course, are ENT and plastics. We have some MaxFax colleagues as well. And this year, um, you know, like 29, the 29th course in 20, we had to cancel because of the, the at this time, new um, Corona pan, um, pandemic. Then in 21, we made it pure online, which basically was a good success. We had, we had I think we had 240 um, participants, which was quite okay. And this year we will we'll make it hybrid. So we will have 120, which is our maximum um, on-site. And then we last week we um, advertised and promoted our um, online um, opportunity to, to join the course. So everybody who is not able to come, you know, for some people, due to vaccination issues, travel issues, it's so good to, to, to have it also online. And we will have a one-month um, on-demand um, possibility. So if you join online, you can for you will get not really edited, but somehow a little bit edited videos that you can look for one one month from a from a from a cloud, basically. Now that's awesome. No, nothing beats being in theater next to somebody watching them do an operation. Because, like you say, it can be these beautiful results that you see at a at a meeting, but that's not what's happening on the table. So, touching on this, I just want to ask your opinion on the self promotion in social media for rhinoplasty. How do you get that balance right, eh? Because there's so many people out there who are trying to add good value and showing real results, but then you've got the guys who are not doing it correctly. Yeah, I mean. This is a extremely hot topic, Cameron. This is an extremely hot topic, and um, I'm I'm a little bit, um, let's say, anxious about where the future will head to. Um, we have, for me, we have basically three different ways how the patient will find us. One is colleague referral. Um, this is really one extremely, still one extremely important um, way how the patient finds you. The other is um, witnesses of operated patients. You know, like a young lady comes and says, you operated my colleague, my sister, my aunt, somewhat, and I like the results, so now I like to come to you. And then the third pillar, more and more, is the social media stuff. And... Um, Especially for young colleagues, this is one where they they really um, like to speed up <laughs> the way of, of being um, popular in the in the in the in the public opinion. Um, and okay, I understand. I mean, especially if you run your own business, you really have your 
your costs. You really have to to to, to find your patients. And I mean, I think it's it really. I don't. I don't really um, say I don't like it. I also have a in, little Instagram account, so it's running on a on a really baseline. Um, but it, of course, you get attention, and you, of course, you can. It, it, it's helpful. But I really think it's the way how you do it, as always. I mean, if you, for me as a medical colleague, I don't like on, on my on my professional Insta account. I don't like to post photos from me on so much on holidays, for example, or I don't want my kids po um, posted. So I think this is I only post um, professional things. And um, so I, I keep it quite um, basic on, 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 on professional um, aspects. And um, this is all one thing, but this is a matter of taste. And, and I, you know, I know colleagues, they don't have an Instagram account. They don't do anything like this. And they're extremely su successful. They have extremely good patients. So it is not urgently necessary. You can have success without this. This is for sure. When you like to do it, okay, do it. The only thing what I, where I really get a little bit angry is when I do see patients, colleagues, they, let's say, they manipulate their, um, uh, their results. For example, in Germany, we are not allowed to show pre and post in comparison. We are not, we are not I'm not sure what is it like in South Africa. But we are, we are not allowed. Okay. No. We are, we are not allowed. Yeah. So it all has. It's, we we it's, are allowed to show it in South Africa. Um. So what what I do do think is um, if if you can do be active, you can make a show. It's it's fine, but you should be honest. This is the only thing I really would ask everybody to to be. I mean, I don't really think of like changing pictures, like in a simulation program. I'm not sure if people doing this. I, I don't know. Perhaps, I don't know. But what I do know, I know colleagues, and I don't say a name now, but everybody could see it. They manipulate how they take pictures of patients. You know, like we, we all know about the fish eye effect. Coming close, close with a camera, um, everything looks white and bulky and thick. And when, you, when the patient comes to the follow-up, he steps two meters back, zooms a little bit in with the with the with the tele um, lens, and then all of a sudden you saw you see really the eyes get closer, everything gets smaller and neater and nicer. Not only the nose, but everything. And then it's shown on the because I had a patient who which that had a big nose, and she told me, "Can you make it smaller?" And I said, "Well, we can transfer it into a." better shaped nose. You will get a more elegant nose. You will get a, a less obvious nose, but we can't make it smaller because she had so much soft tissues that couldn't be removed. And then he said, well, but this colleague, he, colleague, how's he doing? Um, he's showing these pictures. And then I said, well, let's show me the pictures. And then I saw what, what he was doing. And then uh, I talked with other colleagues and they all knew that this guy is doing this kind of Advertisement and this I've, I I don't um, can accept really. I mean, really, this this is this is for me. It's not okay. But I think the I think okay. to my what I learned from Wolfgang. This is this is really one. 
Stuttgart School point is work hard, take care about your patients, try always to get the best result, what, what you can get in the moment. And then later the, the um, success will, will come because the patient will, will appreciate um, what you work. And then um, it's the, the advertisement thing is not, then it is not this important anymore. I, I hope it, it will, let's talk about this that's in awesome. 20 years. But no, no, that's, remember, that's, I hope I, it, I, but I hope I, it will, I agree it will be, with you. even in 20 years, it will be like this. <laughs> Okay, so I have another completely different question on behalf of the listeners. What on earth is TTC? Please <laughs> explain that to us. Yeah. How did this thing happen? Uh, when was that yeah. moment? And why? what is TTC and why should we know about this in rhinoplasty? Yeah, TTC is the abbreviation for transcutaneous, transosseous, cerclage suture. Um, in these days, we are using this, this method for many, many... Um, reasons for many, many aspects, but originally it came from extra coproceptoplasty because one hard piece of the department and even of my work today, this I learned from Wolfgang is the septum. So it's really as the central pillar of the nose. And one of his techniques that made him extremely well-known and successful is the extra coproceptoplasty. So it's the really deviated septums when the door's leading edge is far out of midline, or you have broken septums under the roof, um, it's sometimes really um, helpful to take out the whole septum, release all the tensions, all the memories, memory effects, and create a new and straight septum, and then replant it, and then fix it without tension in the new desired position. And then there are three... Um, Positions of fixation important. Of course, it's on the on the maxilla, on the ANS, if it's there, or at least in the maxilla, but favorably on the ANS. It's in the cartilaginous vault, but the best is not would be to fix it in the bony part. So then the L is completely strongly fixed, and the fixing at the bony part, especially when the bones are not long, is tricky. How you how to fix it in the bony part up there? And there is where the TTC suture come in place, because this was always the weakness of the technique, that there was a fixation high up to the um, central keystone where you could suture um, still to the upper laterals next to the bone, but not in the bone directly. And this is why we, or I developed the TTC suture to, to fix it really bony wise. And this is then where you, you place your, your, your um, septum in, it's placed into the, into the bony sidewalls. You really could look that it's good aligned. And then you fix it temporarily with, um, with a cannula through the cartilage. And then you drill with a number one needle. It's a 20 gauge needle through the bone, the new septum, the other bone. And then you bring, bring in a suture, pulling out sutures running through everything. You lift up the skin, bring the sutures down, and then you can tighten the knot. And then you have a cerclage here where the, 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 the septum is, we hope, forever um, hung up um, tightly. And, um, of course, we modified. This was the, the original technique, doing a vertical cerclage. 
that, that has been published in PRS. And then, um, but then we modified it a little bit to make two passes and making it horizontal. Um, because then you can still shave with the burr, with the diamond burr, the, with the piezo, the dorsum. If there's a, is there, if there's, a, would be a suture, you would, of course, um, uh, tear off the suture um, with the burr. But if it's, if the suture is running like one and a half millimeters down the, the, the dorsal leading edge, just horizontally going around, then the dorsum is completely free and you can shave and you can modulate still on the, on the bones. And till you pinch everything together or fix it together, it's stable. So it's really, you can use a burr because it's not, not free floating. This is the, the great advantage. So, and yeah, yeah no, it's an awesome, it. awesome thing. So what made you, what, what, when did you come up with this idea of actually attaching it to a drill? Because you must have surely been using your fingers the first yeah, few times and thinking this is hard work yeah, to get through the bones. And yeah, this is where it come from. We, we, we try to use it with the fingers and um, there might be brittle, thin bones in some ladies where it's easy with the fingers. But for me and for most of the colleagues, it was too hard to drill. It really, um, after 10 minutes, you, you really lose your mood to, to do this and then you, you don't use it. So, and then at the beginning, we tried a lot of things. And then finally, it happened that we have a cylindric burr. And the cylindric burr fits perfectly in the conus of the needle. And with this, we could, we could um, um, move the needle. And it, this works. It has worked and works. But there's a but. I feared that there is a little bit of plastic dust. You know, like when the, when the cylindric burr is um, move, having little movements in the, in the conus. So this is why we... We created a pretty cheap device, which is an, a denormed Lurelock adapter that can put put in every handpiece, drill handpiece, and this can host the needle, and then there won't be any um, plastic dust um, um, uh, that has been scratched off from the in, inner side of the plastic corners of the cannula. And this is the story. And we have, we have good contact. No, it's very one. cool. I love it, eh? We have a good contact to a German company where we do some some development um, with of instruments, and they it was so it was we had a good already existing good contact, so it was easy for us to to get this little adapter um, produced. No, that's that's cool. That's cool. Okay, so Sebastian, this it's so interesting chatting to you. I've got one more topic I want to chat to you a little bit about, and this is preservation rhinoplasty. Um. It was so interesting being in this Bergamo course. And I took two weeks now to travel around the world and spend time with you, I think, are very influential rhinoplasty guys to really test this preservation thing out. And, you know, my feeling is I think there's some really important parts to it. I think, if anything, it's told us to just kind of respect the nose again. Don't just, the, the nose is so complex and the new kind of anatomy that Peter Palazzi and them are showing us, et cetera, is it's important just to where we've just kind of gone in. However, at the same time, I don't think that it is the, like the answer to rhinoplasty. I think there are many ways of being able to achieve a good result in rhinoplasty, but I'm very interested to hear what some of your thoughts are around preservation rhinoplasty. Yeah, so, so first we have to, to really clarify on, on, on which part of 
preservation we are talking. I mean, because it really turned up that preservation at the beginning was a pretty mix-up of basically everything. There were the 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 surface techniques from Ishida and, and Ferreira. There was the classical Kotl. There was or sub dorsal techniques of Saban. Or they, they have been much older. They have been already described in the 1915 um, and, and so on. It's old techniques. So, and that, that is dealing with the dorsum. Then we have the preservation aspect of ligament preservation for, for the tip. I think but I think you most probably were asking for the dorsal preservation, I think, because this is Yo, still... I'm, I'm, uh, within, within the soft tissues, the tip, the ligaments, the, the whole thing, I, I mean, preservation is such a huge topic to talk about, but yeah. it's really some of your mullings over, over, what, 20 years or so of being around rhinoplasty? Um, maybe, yeah, maybe we can focus more on the dorsal preservation side of things, but I'm, I, I just, I'm just interested to know what Sebastian Hawk thinks about this whole preservation wave that's hit rhinoplasty. Yeah, uh, you, 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 you explained it correctly. I mean, it's, it's a wave. But as in, of, after every wave, there will still there will be things remain. And, um, and really, I, I, I do dorsal preservation, rhinoplasty. I love it. But there's a new aspect now, and this is finding the right indication. You know, I had an extremely interesting um, conversation with a really nice colleague, Miguel Ferreira, who is, who is, who is doing these um, surface techniques. And he really said, you know, in former times with structural reconstructive rhinoplasty, we were not talking so much about indications. I mean, for the dorsal, dorsal technique, we just did, uh, we did some hump removal and then we reconstructed spread of lap spread or grafts and perhaps at the end camouflaging. And with this technique, you can basically deal with every single rhinoplasty. You can deal with secondaries, you can deal with primaries, you can deal with high radics, low radics. If you follow this principle, you can operate on every, each and every case. And this is why it has been for many years the standard technique. To my, this is how, how I feel, why did this technique came up so, so much and the other techniques didn't succeed so much. Um, but there's a but, always there's a but. And, and the thing is really, we all have issues or had issues with the dorsum. I mean, when I look, we, we, we published um, a retrospective analysis of our secondary cases that we had to operate on. And we found that um, the most often reason for um, revisions in our own cases was irregularities of the dorsum. I mean, not, not big things, not, not like you have to do everything new and you, have, so, but little things. So, um, of course, there has been, a, has been an issue, obviously. So, if there's a technique that gives you more security or less revision or more satisfaction on the dorsum, why not trying it? Um, so, okay, then we have, we have the technique that is not new, but it has now been um, revisited or has been brought up by some clever guys and, and also t guys that are like Barish that are extremely technical I, good I really and he's a clever thinker I really I really love him um, um, they when they had good support by by Roland Daniel who was like the scientific motor motor of all of this um, 
it's 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 worthwhile. But now the next point comes, and this is indication. And um, now we have to talk about indications because, and 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 we have to talk also once again, like I said, what we will show, of course, about little tricks and the little details because um, it's not an easy surgery. It's not. It's not. It's not one thing that solves all your problems. It's not one that is free from complication. So, and now we, and people that are extending the indications, they often combine it with a lot of things. I mean, it's not just putting the, the hump down and then it's fine. They make little cuts there, burrs there, little trills there. So it's not, it's not that easy. So we have to talk about indications. And today I really totally agree. I had, I had, The discussion. I had the chance to sit with them um, next to Dean Toriumi and the, the gala dinner in in in, in Bergamo, and he started also dorsal preservation. And then we we found that we have the same impression that there are cases in these days where in former times I really felt sorry to take the dorsum apart, just one and a half millimeter hump, nice dorsum. And in former times, you really thought, well, why do I have this to take apart? Why applying spreader rafts? Why spreader flaps? And then it's too, um, too over-resected and I have to raise it a little bit with, with the, with dice cartilage or with fascia or a burrito DCF. So, and these are the cases where I love to do those preservation. And then, and then we really, did, we had the same. He also, he, he, he confessed that he also now has cases in these days. Where he would think, where he has pain, inside pain, when he when he would have to take the dorsum apart. And if you have, if you have, if this other patient that is sitting in front of you, then it's the perfect, the perfect indication for a dorsal preservation. And then you should do. The question is, and this is this is the problem for beginners. How how should they start? And it's so confusing. If now I think when you now go on the Bergamo meeting with all the different little aspects and techniques, much more variations than six, seven years ago. I think it, it should, it must be extremely difficult for beginners to find the right way. I think it's really, really hard in these days. Really hard. What do you think? No, I, I agree that I was so lucky. I spent a week with Dean uh, mm -hmm. in Chicago a week ago. It was okay. to watch him operate We did, there were six cases and sit there and understand. It was, it was excellent. Eh? It's fascinating. How yeah. many presentations? So I've, I've, I've so enjoyed talking to you. It's, it's, it's been one of the, the best interviews I've had on the Rhinoplasty podcast. It's, um, it's so, yeah, it's so interesting just to, to hear where you're at and what you're doing. And so thank you very much. Um, Yeah, and guys, listen, I, I need to say, if you haven't done the Stuttgart rhinoplasty course, you haven't done the rhinoplasty course yet, so make sure you you do it. It's it's fascinating. These guys, are, I mean, there's not many guys who've been in the game for 29 years. So, yeah, sure. So thank you. Um, on behalf thank of all so the much. listeners, I just want to say thank you very much. And uh, Carl Stortz, thanks for enabling the, the this month uh, of May with rhinoplasty experts. And Sebastian, I appreciate you taking time off from your family. Make sure you say hello to your wife first before you say hello to your daughters. <laughs> yeah, And do. all the very best from, from, from all the listeners from around the world. We really appreciate what you're doing for rhinoplasty in globally. Okay.
Thank you so much. It was great fun. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it very much. And the, the one hour, basically, we almost talked one hour, really flew by, at, at least to, to, my, to my feelings. And really, Cameron, I hope to see you, see you in, a few, in, a, in a few weeks, few months. It shouldn't be too long, right, that we should meet? No, hopefully, hopefully very soon. 